Good morning. Glad that you're here. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Matthew, and I'm glad that you're with us this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us there too. I just want to address something right up front. If you got uh, the handout, the bulletin this morning, um, it's not that Scott did a poor job of teaching on temptation last week, um, but those notes at the bottom of your handout are not going to be what we're talking about today. The passage is correct. The title is correct. My name's there. That's correct. So we're all good there. Uh, But the notes, uh, if you were here last week, you're like, why are we doing it again? Uh, It's not that that was the the fact that we need to really talk about temptation, but uh, we're going to talk about something else. So I just want to address that up front this morning. And it probably is fitting because if you are a note taker, um, this is perfect for you because you are going to get frustrated through the whole service And we're talking about anger this morning, and you were going to be like, this is perfect. I've got application right here. Uh, So I just want to address it up front, ease all your anxiety and pains, whatever it might be. Thankfully, there's a whole other side. You can take all the notes you want. Um, And for those of you that don't take notes, um, you're just going to be really good listeners today. Uh, We are talking about anger this morning, and I don't know if you noticed, but in our world, uh, it's angry. It feels like everywhere you turn, you don't have to search very far. Uh, to find videos or clicks or reels or TikTok videos of people being angry. Uh, I was looking last week and I noticed, you know, there was this one guy who maybe something happened at the restaurant, I don't know, but he was so angry that he was reaching over the counter. He had the soft serve lever on the ice cream machine and he had it pulled down and he was grabbing with his bare hands, taking the ice cream and he was throwing it at people. He was throwing it on the floor. He was eating some and then he would throw some more and I was like, man, he's so angry. Uh, and, and in our world, we even have given names to those memes and those videos and those people. We call them Karens and Chads now, that anytime you see somebody just raging. And man, I know a lot of good Karens and Chads. It's unfortunate. Um, I'm sorry. But you are great Karens and great Chads. These people, I don't know what's up with them. Um, but our world is raging it's raging, and it's springtime. Uh, springtime is a great time for baseball. I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan, and so this morning I I brought a video just to kind of illustrate, and maybe maybe you'll be able to relate just a little bit. Watch this video. Cause you had a bad day, you take one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You said you don't know, you tell me don't lie, you work at a where I'm going to grab his guitar, I'm going to smash it, I'm so angry, right? And Ryan said, that'd be great, I get a new guitar out of it. Uh, 
But you watch that, right? You can relate, right? There are times in our lives where the, the frustration and things with life, and we just get to the point where it just erupts, right? And our anger shows out in so many ways. In fact, uh, there's a whole series uh, of movies where one of the heroes is, is best served when he is angry, right? It's mild manner Bruce Banner, but make me angry and I'm awesome. Like I can Hulk smash things, right? And, and we kind of celebrate that. We're like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry kind of thing. Um, and we have this whole world around us that seems to be going mad and angry over so many things over the littlest of things that you can find. And, and it is sometimes where we want to just smash the bat and we want to just take over with our anger. And as we've been looking at James, James is teaching us very practical things about our faith. And this morning as we ask this question, how does my faith work when I'm angry? James is giving us practical teaching on how that shows out in our lives. And as we've talked about James, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is, uh, he is one of the early leaders of the church. But as a, as a kid growing up and as a family, they were very skeptical. James and his family were very skeptical of Jesus. Jesus is always making these claims about being the Son of God. And they were wondering if he really meant it or if he was just kind of off a little bit. And I'm sure that James, as he writes this, thinks in terms of how at times he felt that frustration, that anger over some of those things. But ultimately, James comes to the place of recognizing who Jesus was. It's Jesus' death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection that brings James to a place of surrender to Jesus and a call in his life to go and share that gospel with whoever. And this letter of James is written to uh, Christians who have been dispersed throughout the region. And so he's calling them into a place of, hey, I, I hear reports, I hear things about what's going on. Let me instruct you on some of the things that I'm hearing. And as we get to James chapter 1, verse 19, that's what we're going to see this morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start with verse 19. If you don't have your Bible, it is printed in the handout. And if you don't have a handout, it's going to be on the screen. But let's stand as we read God's word this morning and honor it with a reading. James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted 
by the world. All right, you can have a seat. As we get started this morning, I think it's important that we do go back just a little bit to what we ended with last week, uh, because I think James chapter 1 verse 18 has a lot to help us in how we conclude this chapter. So in James chapter 1 verse 18, James says this, he chose to give us, talking about God, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And one of the first things that we need to recognize, a foundation to everything else that we talk about in James, comes back to this word birth. And what we understand is that God has given us the opportunity for a new birth, a spiritual birth. Um, if you know anything about uh, some of the New Testament, at one point, as Jesus is ministering and as he's teaching, there's a guy that comes to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was very good at the law, knew what the law said, and knew what it was to live in the law, but he came to Jesus with some questions. And among those questions was, Jesus, what is this that you are talking about all the time, about this new birth, this spiritual birth? And Jesus tells Nicodemus, there is that one point where you have a physical birth. You are born to your mother, and, and you have that physical birth. But there is something that I am also bringing now, and that is a spiritual birth, a new birth that is in and through me. And Nicodemus has this great reply. He says, Jesus, wait a minute. How is it possible for me to go back into my mother's womb and then be born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You already had a physical birth. What I'm talking about now is a spiritual birth. And each of us, as we come to Jesus in faith, um, as we step into that, he gives us a new birth, a spiritual birth, where we are a new creation. And it's important for us to understand that at the outset, because if you don't have that new birth, that relationship with Jesus, that saving moment of God's grace in your life, then the rest of what James talks about really has very little application to your life. But he doesn't just say that, he also says this, that that new birth is through the word of truth. That as we gather together, as we go through a Bible reading plan, we are discovering that new birth and what that looks like through the truth of God's Word. The Bible is the truth of God's Word. That's what is our instruction. It is what is molding and shaping us. It's sharing with us the character of who God is. And as God's character is revealed through His Word, then we're drawn closer to Him and our faith grows in that. And if you don't have these two things, then when we get to the first part of verse 19, and as we talk about anger and our emotions, then you really haven't, you have no application of those things. So it's critical that we get that piece right. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, I've never experienced this new birth, but I've, I've been listening, I've been intaking God's Word, and it's been revealing His love and His grace and His mercy to me, then this morning, maybe where you start is experiencing that new birth. You come to the place where you say, Jesus, I want that for my life. My life has been struggle and challenge, and I've, I've looked for love in all the wrong places, and this morning, maybe you begin by experiencing that spiritual new birth. But then he goes on, then in our, our verses this morning, beginning with verse 19. And the first thing we want to see is that we need to acknowledge 
acknowledge our reactions. And here's what he says in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There are lots of places where we can get influence into our lives that influence then our reactions. We can intake from the world all day long. We can watch those videos. We can watch those TikToks. We can watch those memes. We can look at all those things. And as we're intaking it, I wasn't an angry person before, but now after watching all those things, oh, I'm so angry, right? Because that's what we're intaking from the world. There are lots of things that can influence us away from the things that God desires. And James tells the people that he's writing to, and he tells us, here's what I want you to take note of. And he gives us three things real quickly in this verse to to take note of. The first one is that if we are going to acknowledge our reactions, we need to be quick to listen. When I was a teenager, I had a favorite phrase for my mom and dad. We didn't have a very big house, um, and so my mom or my dad could yell from one end of the house to the other, and I could hear them, but I had a favorite phrase, huh? I clearly heard them, but I was more involved with maybe my uh, Nintendo game or whatever it might have been, and so my, my response always was, huh? As I've gotten older, it's less hum, but there's still some hum in there, right? We're not very good listeners. We can sit in a conversation with somebody, and we may hear a few things, but we're also very easily distracted. We, we in some ways, are loath to listen, right? We, how do, am I gonna, really going to sit here and, and listen to this person for the next two minutes? We're really slow in our listening. We, we are not intent with our listening. That's not only with others, but it's also with God's Word. We are very, uh, we, we just don't want to listen to God's Word. Oh, we hear it on a Sunday morning. We hear it in our Bible reading, but do we really listen to it? And James says we need to be quick to listen. We need to be quick to listen Listen to those things that God is sharing with us through His Word that are going to be impactful for our lives because they run counter to the world's influence in our lives. And James says, please be quick to listen. Be quick to listen to your neighbor who is sharing with you the, the, the things that they're walking through. And you're like, oh yeah, that's great. And you move on. Please don't be so easily distracted and as, as I've grown older, uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at this, but there was a time, if you were standing in front of me and you were talking to me, I knew you were talking and I was listening, but I was really focused on, the, on somebody else back here or distracted by things there. I, I had a hard time focusing that. James says, be quick to listen. He goes on to say, not only be quick to listen, but to be slow to speak wow, we're good at that too, right? No, we are quick to speak. If we're in a conversation with somebody and the conversation is moving towards an opinion that we don't like, we're very quick to start to formulate our response. And as soon as that person takes a breath, bam, we're in, right? And we're in with our rebuttal, we're in with our disagreement, we're in with our frustration and our anger. And the person's like, I just took a breath and now you've, over, you've taken over the conversation, It also happens this way when God speaks to us, right? When God wants to speak to us through His Word, 
we're quick to speak to Him. We're, we're on the verge of telling God, God, when I read your word today, this is what I want to hear. Don't let it say this, let it say that. Let me pick out the right verse so that it says what I wanted to hear. We speak to God as if we're telling Him what we want Him to do for us. And that's not the way that God intended it to be. He wants us to be, he wants us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become angry is the third thing he shares there. Slow to become angry. And as we've already talked about, right, our world is angry. There's rage and all kinds of stuff. And James calls us to be slow to anger. And what I want you to see in that is that he says slow to anger, not to dismiss anger. Anger is an emotion. It is something that we all feel. And so it's not to dismiss anger, but how do we approach anger? Not only with others, but with God as well. Because we can get angry with God. If we're facing trials and temptations, and James says, count it all pure joy, you say, James, that's crazy. You don't know the trials and temptations I'm walking through. I have, I'm humanly right, have a human right to be angry in the midst of this. And you're right. We do. We get angry at the situations that we find ourselves in. We get angry at the trials that we're walking through. We get angry at the temptations. But James says, hey, let me give you a different way of approaching that. Let me ask you to be slow to anger. And we see in Scripture that people were angry with God at different points and different places, at things that they, he was sharing with them. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus one day, and he says, Jesus, I've been following the law, and I've been doing all these good things Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns to the rich young ruler and he says, go home, sell all you have, and follow me. And the rich young ruler looks at Jesus and says, no, that's not the answer I wanted. And he stomps off and he pouts. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. He has this temper tantrum in front of Jesus. And he walks away and never follows Jesus because he didn't like what Jesus said. Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and, and, and as a prophet in the Old Testament, God had given him a, 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 a task to take the message of salvation, to save these people of Nineveh. And Jonah knew the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were sinful, horrible, horrible people. And Jonah said, God, you don't want me to go to those people. They don't deserve your grace, your love, and your compassion. And so Jonah gets mad at the task that he's called to, and he runs away. He gets on a boat. He gets tossed in the ocean. He gets swallowed by a fish. He gets spit up on dry land. And then God says, hey, Jonah, you want to go to those people now? And Jonah says, sure, I'll go. But here's what I know about you, God. I'm going to go to those people who don't deserve your love and your grace, and you're going to give them love and grace, and they're going to turn from their wicked ways, and I'm not going to like it. And Jonah still goes and does that. And sure enough, the people of Nineveh turn from their wicked ways, and Jonah says, ugh! I knew it. I knew that's what kind of God you were. And he's frustrated and he's angry at God. Maybe you've been in the Bible reading plan and you've come across passages of Scripture that God has shared in His Word of Truth and you said, oh, I don't like that. No, no, God, that's not what the answer was supposed to be. That's not what I wanted from you today. And we get angry. James is advocating that we not dismiss anger, but that we think differently about our anger. And when it comes to anger, there are really two kinds. And here's what he says in verse 20. He says, why am I, why am I pushing on this slow to anger? Because he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God 
desires. In the midst of my human anger, do you know what I don't reflect? I don't reflect God's grace and love to the people around me. That when I am angry, when I let that volcano erupt, I do not display to the world God's love and grace. What I display is just another person who's gone mad in the world. And James says, really, there's two types of anger, what we can glean from him, two types of anger. One, there is bad anger. Really easy, really simple, right? There is bad anger. Bad anger is this. Bad anger is undisciplined, it is unfocused, it is unyielding, and it is unforgiving. Undisciplined, unfocused, unyielding, and unforgiving. Bad anger is that explosion, right? It is the powder keg of who we are, the little frustration that tips the scale, and boom, I explode. It's my short fuse, and it is undisciplined, and it doesn't care who it takes out in the midst of its explosion. It's the rage that I feel. It's the things that we see in the videos and things that the, the clerk at the grocery store said, have a nice day, and you say, I didn't, I'm not having a nice day, and they start punching at the, the cash register, and they start ripping things off the shelves. That, that's bad anger, right? We recognize that. We see that, right? And it's unforgiving, too. That anger, it, it disseminates to those around us. It, it's my spouse that catches that. It's my kids that catch that. It's the coworker that catches that. It's the clerk at the store that catches that. And it's unforgiving in the way that it says, well, that's just who I am. My family's all a bunch of short-fused kind of people, and so, of course, I'm that way. But here's the thing. If God has given us a new birth through the word of his truth, he desires that we move from bad anger to good anger. And good anger is this. It is disciplined. It is focused. It is uh, short-lived. And it's God-centered. This is good anger. You know, Jesus stepped into the temple, his father's house one day, and he got angry. He tosses the tables, and he, he tosses out all these people who were selling things in his father's house, that house that was supposed to be a place of prayer, a place of worship, not only for the Israelite people, but as Gentiles would come in, they would, they would see God in the midst of that worship. And, and these people had turned it into a marketplace, and they were selling all kinds of things. And, and God, Jesus gets angry. But it's a God-centered anger because he saw that they were, they were taking something and they were, they were mistreating it and misusing it. Good anger sees the injustices in our world and says, that shouldn't be happening. And we step into the middle of those things. It's, it's when I see people being bullied and I don't just take out my phone and say, oh, I'm going to capture this and so I can put it on social media. No, I step into the fray of that and say, this should not happen. We want to be God-centered, and so I start to see the things that are happening in my world, and I get angry over those things because they are not God-centered. And what I have the privilege of being able to do is step into the world with a slow-to-anger attitude and be able to share God's love and grace in the midst of that. Good anger. What James would advocate for us is that our anger would bend more towards the good than the bad as we grow in our faith. And he says in verse 21, in order for us to move from bad to good, he says this, therefore get rid 
of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. He says, get rid, get rid of all the moral filth. Get rid of all that junk. Whatever we intake is what's going to come out. If we're taking in all junk, it's going to come out junk. And, and James is going to talk more about that later on and, and in this letter. If we're taking in all of those things, we have to cultivate something new. And so that means doing some spring cleaning. We're going to do that May 20th here at the church, but also in our hearts. It means renovating some of those things. It means getting rid of that filth that is in there. But he also says that I need to humbly accept there's a posture that I take when it comes to moving from bad to good anger. It means that I'm humbly accepting what God, who God is and what He is offering to each and every one of us. That I have to humbly come to that place, no longer being selfish with who I am. You sit here today and you say, I've struggled with anger. I've wrestled with it, and, and there are times when I feel like I'm doing really good, but then it pops up and it, it shows up again. What James would say is that maybe you haven't come to the place where you've humbly laid before God your anger. And you said, God, I've tried it on my own. I've tried to do it my way. I've tried to be quiet and compassionate and loving, and yet it seems like more and more I'm just blowing up and I'm exploding. I have this resentment that is built up, and it didn't dissipate like I thought it would. And this week it just it came out. It exploded. I was this volcano, and I just threw up all of this anger at people that didn't deserve it. You see, you don't have to teach a toddler. You don't have to teach someone who's in their 50s what it means to be selfish, to be angry. Those things just happen. Our temper tantrums are funny when we're kids. They're not so funny when we're adults. All of us wrestle with those things. We all have that emotion of anger. James says, how will you step into that? And here's how you humbly submit to the Word of God and His truth. We go to that place and how it impacts us. Not only are we acknowledging our reactions, that's what he talks about in these first couple verses, but the second thing we see this morning is that we need to be re- aware of our, reaction, our, our responses. That's the second thing we see this morning is that we're aware of our reception. Verses 22 through 25, James gives this really great uh, illustration and picture. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He goes on in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, verse 24, and and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We need to be aware, aware of our reception. How are we receiving God's word? He says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so we can either be two kinds of people. We can be passive listeners or we can be active listeners when it comes to God's Word and how it is impacting our lives. If you're a passive listener, if you're a passive listener, you're simply hearing the Word of God, and then you think nothing of it. You walk in this morning, you hear God's Word, and as soon as uh, the last song is sung, and you walk out to the car, by the time you get there, you've been a passive listener because you forgot everything that God's Word had to say this morning. That's a passive listener. 
An active listener is somebody who comes into this place on a Sunday morning, and they come early. They come in early, they sit in their seat, and um, they, they simply pray. They say, God, this morning, let me be an active listener. Let me hear from you this morning. They're actively taking a posture before they even start the morning that they're going to say, I want to be receptive to your word. I, I, my posture becomes that I'm, I'm wanting to receive that. If I'm active, that's how I'm going to go. If I'm passive, I'm just kind of here. I'm going through the motions, and I, I'm not being an active listener. An active listener is, is going to do something with what they hear. An active listener is going to be the one that is, is receptive to growing and learning. They're teachable. If I'm an active listener, I know that there are things that, that I need to learn and I need to grow in. One of the great things I love about our teaching team is that uh, every Wednesday before we teach, we spend some time actually teaching what we're going to teach on Sunday morning. And if I'm an active listener, I am responsive to that time uh, because I know that it is going to, to enhance how clear and how concise we can be with God's Word on a Sunday morning. If I'm a passive listener, I sit in that time and I hear all the feedback and I hear the different things, and I'm just like, you know, whatever. I'm just going to do my thing. That's not teachable. God desires for each of us to be teachable in what He's sharing with us. And so when God's Word is instructive to us, and as it's instructive to us, rather than our response be anger towards God, we're receptive to that because we're being active listeners. A passive listener will not practice what they hear. As James describes it, they are the person who looks in the mirror, and then as, after they look in the mirror, they walk away and they forget who they are or what they look like. For some of us, we would agree, right? I want to forget what I look like. The voice for radio, not for TV kind of thing, right? The passive listener will hear and quickly apply it to everyone but themselves. The person walks up to us at the end of the service and says, Pastor, great sermon today. I wish so-and-so would have been here. I wish that, uh, that person would have been here. Man, the person next to me really needed to hear that. That's a passive listener. An active listener says, God, you're teaching me something. I am growing in that. Whatever it was, it stepped on my toes. Good. We need to have our toes stepped on. It has nothing to do with me or Scott or Doug or Brian or whoever might be teaching. It has everything to do with God's Word. God's Word. When we're active listeners, we're going to hear it, and it is going to be uncomfortable at times. A passive listener is going to find life in Christ static. No life change is going to occur. An active listener is going to see positive movement in their life. As a passive listener, I'm moving from uh, bad to good anger, and that only happens when I am intently looking and leaning into the mirror of God's Word. Be an active listener. An active listener takes notes, joins uh, our Bible reading plan. You participate in a life group. You have this posture that I want to grow alongside of other people. And so to be an active listener means I'm going to sit with others and I'm going to listen to what God is sharing with them and, and in turn let that grow me. I'm going to meet with others on a regular basis. I may be even going to purchase a Bible. We spent the early part of this year uh, teaching on the spiritual practices or disciplines that we find in Scripture. 
And those are more than a to-do list. Those are practices that are supposed to be, uh, they're designed to move us in our faith, to grow in our faith as we practice those. We want to be aware of our reception. And James concludes this chapter by saying that really receiving and responding to God's Word leads to life change. I shared this with our teaching team this week, and I want to share it with you. We have to recognize, we have to recognize the purpose of our faith. The purpose of our faith and grace-filled lives is to become more and more like Jesus, measured by the truth of His Word, not the truth of the world. As we're growing in our faith, we're to become more and more like Jesus. As we talked about those practices of grace, they weren't so that we could check off boxes that said, I did this today, I did this today, I did this today. Rather, they are practices that are supposed to be moving us in our growth and becoming more and more like Jesus. This world needs more and more Jesus. And we have the privilege when we've experienced that spiritual birth in Christ and the truth of God's Word, then to step into this world and not be people of hate and anger, but of love and grace. And so James says here the last part of our passage this morning that we need to apply our response, to apply our response. Look what he says in verses 26 and 27. He says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. He goes on to say in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Three things that I would give you from this last passage, this last part of the passage that I think speaks to us today, that we apply our response. The first of those things is your words. When you're thinking about your responses, we want to first be thinking about our words. In James chapter 3, he's going to talk more about our tongue and how easy it is for our tongue, tongue to destroy so many things. And we have to be conscious of our words. There are, are those places and times where if we're not conscious of words, we're going to say things that we regret. There are things that we wish we could take back that we will never get back. There are things that we're going to say to people that we wish we hadn't said, said and times where those words are going to be destructive to others. And James would point us to the place that as your faith grows, your words change and how you approach and say those things. Our speech changes. Rather than being arrogant and loud, we're humble and kind and loving. Our words matter when we speak into this world. And, uh, you know, I know Brian's mentioned it before and others have mentioned it. When you're teaching on something, God often gives you application in the moment, right? And so I'm at uh, my son's uh, Little League baseball game yesterday, and it doesn't end well. Uh, the coaches have a, a spat, of, a bit of a spat, and uh, everybody on the sidelines, our parents for our team, are yelling and screaming, and, uh, and maybe I got into the fray just a little bit uh, of that if a self-disclosure kind of things. And then I hear the voice of my wife who's speaking kindness and saying, hey guys, this isn't how we should act. And so later last night I said to her, I said, did I do okay? We're working on it, <laughs> right? We're conscious of those things that in a world that is full of hate and anger, 
when you step into the grocery store and the clerk doesn't do it just right and you say, hey, you know what? I've had a bad day before too. I'm I'm just glad that you're here. Thanks for serving this way. You see the difference that it can make in someone's life. So we want to be responsive and think about how we apply our words. The second thing is that our outlook changes. When James talks about it, he says to these people uh, that he's writing to, they thought they were being very religious. Uh, they were. They were They were loving the law and they were loving those things. And James says, but, but there's, you're missing something. Because here's these orphans and widows, the least in the community, and you are missing them. Your heart is, is trying to turn towards me, but as that heart turns towards me, it is also forgetting these. And so we need to think about our outlook. We have personal ministry. And personal ministry is just seeing the authentic needs of people and loving them with the love of Jesus. And each and every one of us has personal ministry because ministry extends outside of this church building. It extends beyond those of us that are on staff. We're not the only ones that are a part of ministry. You have an outlook as those who have experienced Christ's grace and forgiveness to have an outlook for the world around you. There are authentic needs all around you if you are looking for it, if you are seeing it. The people that James writes to, they were missing it. And he says, you need to think about these least and lost in your community, these orphans and widows. Each of us have that. And how do we think about our personal ministry and those that we can reach out to? There was a need over the last couple of weeks, and one of our teachers had a student that came to them and, and said, I, I have this need. And the teacher quickly kind of started thinking through, how can we start to meet that need? How can we start to invest in this student? And so it started sharing in different things, and over time there were others that kind of got on the, on the train of that thing, and to help meet an authentic need with the love of Jesus. Not to say, well, that's too bad. I'm sorry you're in that situation. Sorry that's happened to you. Too bad. But to actually listen and say, how can we start to meet the authentic needs of people with the love of Jesus? Our outlook begins to change. The third thing then in our response is your actions change. I think about those people who uh, I met or I went to school with and they they were brutal. They were ugly, they were mean, they were, they were tyrants in our school, they were the bullies in our school, and I, I would think to myself, they'll never get anywhere. If they make it to their 18th birthday, they'll be lucky kind of, kind of people, right? You know those kind of people? And then you meet them years later, and they're kind, and they're gentle, and they're grace-filled, and you stand before them and you say, man, I remember you in high school, and that, you, are not, you were not that person. What's changed? And they say, Jesus changed me. He had a huge impact on my life. I was was going all those ways that you described. I was ready to fall off the cliff and I was ready to run in that direction and, and I'd do all kinds of terrible things. But Jesus changed me. If you experience the spiritual birth, new birth that Jesus has offered, you know what it is to be changed. To not to be the old person, but to be the new person. To not be the static of who you were, but to be growing in who Christ is growing you to be. 
your actions begin to change. Jesus looked at the, knew the people around him, and he knew that they would, they would fall into this category of things like, hey, I read my Bible, I pray all the time, I go to church. And Jesus looked at them and he said, man, that is all great, but your heart is nowhere close to me. Your heart is deceiving you to believe you're doing this religion thing correctly, and yet your heart says something completely different. Our actions begin to change as a people who are growing in our faith to be slow to anger and to be grace-filled in this world. According to James, you can do a lot of religious stuff, and it's all worthless to him if, if your heart is in the right place. You can be that person, or you can be one who is quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry, and it'll move you to care for the least, the last, and the lost. As I finish this morning, I just want you to take a moment for a personal inventory to think about this morning. Just three questions. How has your speech been this week? How has it been? At work? At home? In the grocery store? Do we have a video of you piping off at the grocery store? How has your speech been this week? Second question, who have you put before yourself? Who in the last week, the last days, the last months, who is somebody that you have put before yourself? You've selflessly served them above your own desires or your own needs, and you've invested in that, in that person. The third thing I would ask you to think about is what's been your Bible intake this week? Has your Bible intake been one that it's just at a glance, I've got 30 seconds, Jesus, give me a verse, you read it and you're gone, and you say, yeah, I did that, but it had no impact. Or has your Bible intake been one that you have been intently gazing into the Word of God so that it would bring life change to who you are and those around you. Let's think about those things this morning as we pray. Father God, all of us, all of us can face the emotion of anger in our days. It can catch us by surprise. It can be prevalent in our lives. Whatever the case, as we have come before you, we humbly submit that you can bring change into our lives. That as we seek your word, as we seek your face, that we want to reflect you more and more each day, that you would bring that change into our lives. Father, this morning, for the person who sits here and says, I've never experienced that change. I've never given my life wholly and completely to Jesus. To that person this morning, I pray that you would, you would capture their heart, that you would take a firm grasp of their heart and show them that you love them, that you care about them, that they have a new identity in you. Father, for those that have walked with you for a long time, but maybe that faith has been static. They've been passive listeners for, for quite a while, and they've, they've wrestled with this, fast, this fact that I just feel like I'm, I'm plateaued. I'm not going anywhere. This morning, may they hear the revelation of your word that they too can grow in faith be made new, see transformation begin to happen. 
Father, for us as a community, that we would be the light in the darkness, that in an angry world, that we would be peace and love and compassion, that we would see the authentic needs of those around us, and that we would love people with your love, an everlasting love. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.